We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. What's up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz, presented by OTGBasketball.com. I'm your host, Nick Faye. With me, as always, Jack Manuel. What's up, Jack? Crab season in uh, Brooklyn, Nicholas. Uh, happy birthday to Mr. Alan Crab. What a performance. Yes, big birthday to Crab, putting up big points. And like you said, Jack, you've mentioned on here, you mentioned on Twitter, we're Crab people now. We are. And I think, you know, Charlie Day is one. We need to buy into it, Nets fans. It, it, his, his late season form has just been awesome, you know. He's, he's breaking records. You know, for those that don't know, check out Nance Staley for the record that he broke. Um, 40 points and only 15 shots is an absolutely outstanding performance. When you shoot the threes like he can, I mean, th- there's no reason why he can't break it again. Yeah, and a lot of excitement because he's just been killing it in April. But a quick reminder, you can check out the Brooklyn Buzz on iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, otgbasketball.com, Google Play, and now airing on Dash Radio. But let's talk Alan Crabb. Crab lit it up. 41 points on his birthday. Nets are on a three-game winning streak. Two big wins over the Bulls. I guess big wins in terms of point-wise, but you know the Bulls kind of suck. But still, it's always good to go on a three-game winning streak. First one this year, Nick. And the first one since, I think, around the same time last year. So always nice to get some winning form going into the offseason. Hopefully take it into the into training camp and such, you know, good to see some nice form and some nice highlights from all of our young players. D'Lo doing some nice things. Uh, Jared Allen has been putting up some otherworldly statistics on Twitter. And then obviously Alan Crabb. Now, just that Alan Crabb thing, I think it was, this is via Nets Daily and Brooklyn.com. It took him only 15 shots to reach that 30 points. And that's the fewest for a player in a 40-point game since Alonzo Mourning had 14 of them to get 43 in 2000. That's that's a pretty amazing stat by Alan Crabb. Yeah, it really was. It's super efficient. I mean, he was 12 of 15 from the field, 8 of 11 from three, 9 of 9 from the free throw line, 5 rebounds, 4 assists. He only had one turnover. I mean, you can't really get much better than that in terms of scoring. Yeah, it was just one of those games where he was just feeling it. And it was like, after the first quarter, you posted on Twitter, like, you know, he's going for 40 tonight. And like, it's just like, he actually could. Like 19, 
I mean, we saw D'Lo have like, you know, big performances in like the first half and stuff, but he cools off. But I think when it comes to like a shooter like Alan Crabb, when he's feeling it, he's going to put that ball in the bucket. And I think guys are finding him for nice looks as well. And we know that the Bulls defense certainly isn't the most stat in the NBA. And Alan Crabb is one of the best three-point shooters in the NBA today. You know, we're not going to mince words here. You know, the last few years in Portland and such, he's been one of the best, most efficient scorers, um, obviously playing that sort of third role. And now he's sort of getting back to that, but to a really elite level. His late season form has been really, really encouraging. Yeah, definitely. Like you said, he just and he also just seems more t- comfortable with the Nets organization and his teammates. You know, just moving around the floor, kind of understands his p- system better. And the motion offense is perfect for him. You know what I mean? There's a lot of moving parts at a lot of different times. And you see him cutting around screens while you have somebody else cutting to the rim. It puts a lot of pressure on the defense to react. And I also think having, a, you know, Jared Allen, you mentioned him a little bit, rolling to the rim kind of forces that defense to collapse and it opens up Crab a little bit because all he needs is a quick second. He does. And, I mean, Jared Allen has been insane defensively these past couple of games. But he's also been very good offensively, like you mentioned, that verticality that he creates. You know, he's still got some refinement um, that needs to be in terms of his offensive game. But, you know, guys like D'Lo, guys like Spencer Dinwiddie, guys like uh, Karis LeVert are certainly finding him for for the perfect looks. And, you know, it's it's just good to see that young core building together, that sort of chemistry. You know, D'Lo's highlight performances, you know, what you know when you're getting on MB, the NBA TV, the NBA and ESPN Twitter accounts, you know, that's when you're, you're certainly making it. And some of his dimes, it's just, he, he has his own style to it. It's like, you know, when you see a D'Lo pass, it's like, you know, that's not a LeBron pass, that's not a Ben Simmons pass. Well, he, he has his own personal flair to it. And it's good to see it against these um, lesser teams because we know D'Lo certainly has that talent and we want him to sort of dominate these sort of teams. And he certainly was. Yeah, definitely, and it gets his confidence up. Like you said, some of the passes we've seen have been amazing. I mean, I think D'Angelo running the show by himself has been more effective for him, and it's allowed him to kind of excel as a passer. You know, just having the ball more, seeing the team, seeing the floor a little bit better, getting used to his teammates. Like you said, he's, I would say probably for like the last five or six games, he's had at least one signature dime. Yeah, yeah, and I think the, the dimes where he sort of like looks and then doesn't look, it's almost like he's in slow motion when he has these passes. Like, when you see the pass, like, um, again, on the Yes Network with um, Sarah Kusok and Iron Eagle, it's like he does the pass and it's like, wait, was that in slow motion or was the real one in slow motion? He just he, he's, The way he sees the game and sees the angles is just absolutely outstanding. Um, but there have been so many good ones. His bounce passes, his little dinky bounce passes are, are something to behold as well. But we talked a little bit about Alan Crabb, Nick. We also had Quincy Acey balling out as well. Who was a more impressive performance to you? The fact that Quincy Acey got six threes and 21 points, or was it Alan Crabb with his 41-point performance? Yeah, I think Alan Crabb in the second game against the Bulls. You know, 41 points, I think it was, I think what they say, the third net to score over 40 points, the other two being Darren Williams and uh, Bogdanovich. So, you know, getting your name in the record book like that, and then the efficiency, even the threes that he missed, he was 8 of 11. I can think about one three that really didn't look like it was actually going to go in, but the other two I felt like either hit rim or they were just, you know, they slid out. Yeah, it, it, he was a. It was one of those shooters nights where, like you know, the it's like an NBA jam sort of night where everything's going and he's heating up. Um, yeah, he it's was, like he stayed on fire the whole game. Like he, if you you could have gotten you know if you're playing two K, you could have missed a shot thing completely and it probably still was going in. Exactly, he's just one of those guys where it was a video game night, like you mentioned with two K. But I'm going to show some love to Quincy Ace. Seven and fourteen from the field. You know, we we've um, we've given him some criticism early in the season, but. For me, his late season form has been emblematic of the Quincy Acey we know and love. You know, 
It's the energy he's bringing out there. He's diving for these loose balls. He's taking charges. He's putting in threes. Quincy A3. I mean, you know, and the, I think... I, I think it was Bobby Portis that was saying in the, the first time that we, we beat them in that um, he wasn't a big fan of a, or our, our Nets guy sort of doing the celebrations on the bench where they get the guns up and down and it's sort of like a sort of Yosemite Sam sort of dance thing that I think Quincy Ace is the sort of originator of it. But I love it because it's just bringing some energy and some fun. Like, you're not that good of a team like the, our Nets and, and same with the Bulls. Like, let's bring some fun to it. And I think that's one thing that's shown late in the season. Like, we saw Tamari Carroll before the, the game last night. And, you know, it's just this team chemistry is something really nice to see. And it's good to see some guys having some fun and getting some reward for the effort they're putting in. Yeah, for sure. And, I mean, like you said, AC, it was a nice game from AC. And he's definitely been better since we've gotten Cunningham. He's kind of made less mistakes and taken less bad shots. And his three ball, obviously, is starting to go in a little bit more. And you like the energy he brings. And he's kind of that leader on the bench unit that kind of gets everyone excited, especially when they're sitting. He's a guy you don't really mind having around, especially as like a 15th or 14th type of guy in the roster. You know, he's not somebody you want playing big rotation minutes. But if he has to come in once in a while and he knocks down threes like that, you can't complain. No, and then, I mean, having guys like Quincy Ace, you mentioned Dante Cunningham. I reckon there's a there's a chance that we can keep one of these guys going forward because I'm not sure teams are really going to be clamoring for them. I'm sure guys will be seeing, um, pulling a front office ex- executives that are seeing Quincy Acey's form and Dante Cunningham's form for, for that reason and might be looking at, oh, uh, we could use one of these guys to sort of fill out our roster a little bit. A guy could sort of stretch the floor a little bit. But I think both of these guys just fit well in the net system as well. So if they were to go to other teams, I, I doubt they would see the, the form that they've shown. Um, obviously, Dante Cunningham showed some nice form when he was with the Pelicans as well, and I'm not sure why they got rid of him because I think he'd be really good as a, sort of like an, an extra big. Because you know, when you have a Mecca Okafor sort of over there, you know, I'm sure that big depth is certainly an issue. But you know, Dante's been great for us, um, and I think Quincy as well. I, I wouldn't mind if you had a choice, Nick. Like you know, if Sean Marks goes to you, look, you know, we can only keep one of these guys, Quincy or Dante. Who are you going to go with? And they're both on veteran minimum. Let's assume you know a very yeah. cheap deal for both guys. Yeah. Um. I love AC and I love the energy and the craziness, but Cunningham's just a little bit more under control. Yeah. And he just seems like he's just something more fundamentally sound where, you know, AC might have higher moments where he, you know, has a 21-point game and he hits a ton of threes and he's just crazy taking a ton of charges. But Cunningham's more of a steady flow. You know, he's not really necessarily going to change as much. And I agree with you. I think at least one of the two of them are going to be on the Nets next year. I agree with that as well. And I, I think... Yeah, I'll probably go with Dante as well, but I think the the energy that Quincy AC brings uh, as a sort of intangible quality is something that can't be underrated as well. Exactly. Especially, especially for vet minimum guys, because you know you're it, it's I mean it's a lot of money to the to the everyday guy like us, but in terms of the NBA, it's chumps change. And you know if you're gonna if we can go for offer both of these guys a vet minimum, I would absolutely love to have them on next season. You know, despite the fact that we. Might argue about Quincy Essence no end on the previous 15 episodes of, of, the, of the buzz as well. But, you know, I, I still love inherently what he brings this Nets team. And he just epitomizes what we love about our Brooklyn Nets. Yeah, you definitely. I mean, I think the Nets are really thinking about it, which guy they'd prefer. And AC's helped his case playing a lot better later in the season. But I think also a lot depends on the offseason moves, who they look at, who they draft, all types of things like that. So, I mean, your boy uh, Joe Harris also had a really nice under-the-radar game against the Bulls in the first game. The second one he didn't play, you know, uh, 16 points, 6-9 from the field, 4-5 from three, four rebounds, and six assists. You know, the Bulls aren't great like we mentioned, but that's a very solid game from Joe Harris too. 
Yeah, I'm pretty sure I proposed to Joe on Twitter a couple <laughs> of times, waiting for his um, waiting for his response. I'm sure he's probably a, a very happy man in a steady relationship because, I mean, if I was someone, I'd lock that up already. But you know, he's just the the he's the, making the himself hallmark. a lot of money right now. <laughs> he certainly is, and he's the hallmark of consistency. And I think because of his status with the Nets, you know, we can only offer him a certain amount due to his restricted free agency status. But uh, I think there were, like we mentioned on, on uh, the one or two earlier pods, you know, he's shown indications that he wants to sort of kick around with the Nets going forward. You know, he's literally the perfect guy coming off the bench. And if he has the potential with the minutes to be a six man of the year contender. Now, you know, you look at Lou Williams, look at Eric Gordon, you look at those sort of guys, look at Fred Van Vliet, those guys are getting really elevated minutes. And I think if Coach Kenny begins to sort of, you know, uh, adjust his minutes to a sense, you know, tighten those rotations then you know we've seen joe harris starting and that's generally what happens with a lot of the six-man contenders they get a few starting performances they show out and then they go to the bench and then they come off again um i think joe harris is the perfect guy with we've said so many great things about him this season that we don't really need to say it again but his consistency is a is a thing that we we can always count on as, as nets fans and, and i think that's one thing that you don't take for granted yeah, and I think with this motion offense and the amount of threes in that shoot, it would make sense to keep Crab and Harris around. You know, you want two shooters that can shoot over 40%. And your boy Joe, in, since March 1st, is averaging 12 points a game, 54% from the field, over 46% from three, 90% from the free throw line, three rebounds, two assists, and all in 25 minutes. It's ridiculous. Those numbers are, are things you would hear from some of the most elite NBA guys. You know, obviously the twelve points, but if you, I'm sure if you stretch that out to a per thirty six, I guarantee that, that that he'd be getting twenty points um, per game, no doubt. But you know, Joe Harris is one of my favorite players, and I'm sure everyone probably sick of me tweeting about him and speaking about him on this buzz. But every time that he's uh, putting on that Nets uniform, that I'm going to be talking about him because uh, I love everything that he brings. Yeah, and like I said, you know, I think sometimes you know. Who was that? Uh, Damari Carroll. So Joe Harris was getting the start against the Bulls in the first game. You know, it, it definitely impacted the game having Joe Harris and Alan Crabb out there, especially a team like the Bulls who don't really play great uh, three-point defense. So having both those guys to stretch the floor and Jared Allen collapsing everything, it just created so many problems. Talking about that game in the first game in Chicago where the Nets won 124-96, 24 of 55 from three, set the franchise record, had an all-time performance from three, only one shy of the Cleveland Cavaliers. What are your thoughts on the Nets dropping bombs like that? And uh, to be honest, Nick, I was a little bit peeved that we didn't get that record. I'm not. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, you know, especially it was going down to the wire there. Uh, but I'm sure Coach Kenny isn't one of those guys that's gonna be going out there and sort of calling plays to get a, an open three, uh, just purely for an NBA sort of record. But it was just one of those nights where we were feeling everything. And I mentioned earlier the fact that the the Bulls' defense, especially their perimeter defense, can be something that's like to be desired. They do collapse a lot. And that generally, uh, similar to like a Milwaukee Bucks, and that generally leaves a guy open. And a lot of the time, that happens to be a guy in the corner. And generally, that's your best, most efficient NBA shot in today's NBA, other than a layup or a free throw. And that gets us a nice open look and a nice three points. I think it was just one of those nights where it's just like, we were feeling it. And we have probably, you know, 10, 11 guys that are on this roster that can shoot a three. In fact, basically everyone, except for like a Timothy Moskov. And we've seen him take the threes every now and then. So, you know, everyone was feeling it and everyone got into the party. and. You know, Quincy Acey set the tone. It was just one of those nights where this is the epitome. And I think Bobby Portis mentioned the fact that um, these nets are like the, the Rockets without a James Harden. And I think that's probably a pretty good compliment coming from a guy like him. And I think it sort of sums up uh, what the nets really want to do. 
Yeah, it does. And you mentioned, you know, everybody knocked down three. Eight players had threes that night. Six of them had two or more threes. So pretty much, you know, everybody was lighting it up and they're shooting a pretty good percentage. Lavert also had a nice low-key game against the Bulls the first time around. 13 points, five of seven from the field, two of two from three, eight assists, three steals. You know, that Bulls, like, that game one was probably the Nets' best blowout of the season where they blew it up in the third quarter and they kind of held the lead and they're actually able to play their bench guys in the fourth and hold down the lead. Yeah, it was, it was not... It was, it was not, but it was nice to sort of see, you know, the Nets actually sort of solidify themselves ahead of that sort of, that tanking pack and sort of go, look, you know, we're definitely better than these guys. But there was worries going into the final stretch of the season that the Nets would sort of be around that mark and the Cavs could get a possible top five, top six pick. But now we've sort of separated ourselves a little bit, you know, where there's a possibility that we could even tie with, you know, the, the New York Knicks with a, a losing record or the win-loss record if we somehow get the W against the Boston Celtics, which, you know, is a possibility if the Celtics rest a few guys. Um, you know, and the, over- the Celtics might want to, you know, help the Nets out one, not help the Cavs out and let the Nets win and kind of hurt that Cavs pick a little bit more. Exactly. I mean, I'm sure there's probably uh, a highly doubted guy that Brad Stevens is going to want to be doing that, but who knows, Danny Ainge might be sending some directive over there. Well, they might be resting a lot of guys. You know, Brad Stevens isn't going to throw a game ever. I don't think that's what he would do. But if he has to, you know, 10 10 guys that aren't very good and he has to sit all of his star players, and that should be able to, you know, at least give themselves a shot to win the game. Absolutely, and we know that the, no matter what, we're, we're in for a fight when it comes to the Boston Celtics. So it's going to be a good game and a nice one to finish the season. Hopefully, you know, we can steal a W from them because we certainly should have been in a, in a couple of the previous games as well. But you know, the, the Nets are in some good form, and let's hope we can bring that into game eight too. Exactly. And it just it's just nice, you know, the three-game winning streak could be a four-game winning streak, beat the Celtics, carry that momentum into the offseason, just – a lot of good thoughts about it if they're able to do that. And it was also nice in the second game against the Bulls. I mean, I guess it's nice in a sense. It's like a little bit of immaturity, and this is what Kenny was worried about. The Nets pretty much coasted the second game against the Bulls, and they still got the W, which was strange to see. You know, the Nets, when they coast this season, usually get blown out, but they're able to kind of still beat the Bulls. Yeah, I saw it, and I'm like, every time I was sort of like watching a few games, because obviously the, the playoff implications, and we want to be prepared to know like what's going on for OTG, but obviously keeping an eye on my Nets, and it was just like, Every time I switched it on, I was not worried. Like, normally I'm really worried when the Nets are in a, a really tight tussle because, you know, we've seen what happens to the Nets in tight tussles. You know, we generally don't get the calls or, you know, we, we miss out or, we you know, we miss a few shots going down the stretch. Um, but we just seemed to control for most of it. Um, and at the end of the day, we were the better team. Um, and we had guys like sort of D'Lo. The talent sort of shone through. Yes, guys like Bobby Portis uh, are, are decent performers. But, you know, they didn't have Robert Lopez. They didn't have Zach Levine. Didn't have Chris Dunn, you know, all these guys that I was sort of seeing out there. I'm like, if we don't win this, um, I'm going to be highly disappointed. And, and you know, we got the W. Um, it was a sort of, like we said, um, it wasn't the best performance of the year. But at the end of the day, you can't complain because all that shows at the end of the day is uh, a win in the win-loss column. Exactly. You know, we'll take a W any day of the week and hopefully we can grab another one. You think the Nets can pull off the W uh, Wednesday against the Celtics? Uh, if gun to my head, Nick, I'd probably say no, but I, I'm waiting to see because obviously... I'm going yes, Jack. I'm going the Nets are going to get the win. Look, I'm always a glass half empty sort of guy. I'm a, bit, I'm a bit of a pessimist when it comes to to sports in general. Like, whatever sport it is, I'm always like, look, I'd rather have low expectations and like high results at the end of the day. But you know, if the Celtics have a tight tussle with the Wizards, I, I think it certainly increases our chances. If the Celtics have like a blowout or you know they have a loss, and I think they're going to want to bring in some winning form into that last game of the season. So I think it's it's 
you know, it's hard to sort of say, you know, flirting with form is, is a really dangerous thing, dangerous thing, you know, when it comes to, to any sort of sport. So I certainly think the Celtics are going to be on their game. And, you know, if they do happen to wrestle like an Al Horford, uh, Terry Rozier, these sort of guys, they've certainly got the depth to sort of, you know, challenge us no matter what. Um, and it's obviously the coaching capacity with Brad Stevens, a, a certain coach of the year contender. But um, I'm, I, I think it'll be close. Let's, let's put it that way. I think it's a good test for the Nets. Like you said, they're not going to bend over. It's a game where they're actually going to have to go out and win the game. You know, I think yep. going into the offseason, they compete hard and they can kind of put this on their chest. I think that'd be something to really, you know, give them a little boost going into the offseason. We've seen a lot of improvements all season long, you know, from the guys from not even just the offseason, but as the season progressed. So I'd really like to see them pull off the W. Yeah, I mean, it'd be it'd be a perfect way to put um, the finishing touches and sort of icing the cherry on top, the strawberries, all that sort of thing on what's been a, a nice late season performance to get a four game winning streak would just, um, it'd be, it'd be absolutely gravy. Yeah, it would be. And uh, just a quick uh, reminder, this isn't going to be our last episode of the season. We're going to keep it going after this. We'll probably do a season recap sometime next week. No dates exactly sure. Then we'll kind of pick up a little bit towards the draft and then off season will be here all year long. But Guys, as always, thank you for guys and girls. Thank you for listening. You know, subscribing, communicating with us on Twitter and whatnot. We appreciate all the support. Jack, as always, thank you for taking the time to record this and go Nets. Thank you, Nets fans. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.